Anyways, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, guide our conversation. Guide us in humility as we speak today. And guide us to follow your promptings. Lord, help us to be able to lead to further conversion of hearts, especially our own hearts that we may come to know you more deeply, especially as we talk about the sacrament of marriage in the context of Bob and Robin's lives. Help us to be able to learn from them and to know more from them and just have a good conversation. Lord, we thank you for all that we do, or that you do. (laughs) Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Layman's Terms. I am your host, Alex. I'm your other host, Trevor, who's not a Pelagianist, who doesn't believe that we should glorify our works above the Lord's. Uh, <laughs> but but um, due to that prayer. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, that was a slip of the tongue. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Anyways, we have a special day today. We have our very first guest of the show. We have our friends Bob and Robin, who are a married couple that we know from Missouri State. I hope so. And, and, and by married, we mean as of like exactly a month and one day, correct? I mean, it, today, it would have been yesterday. Yes, we month. did not meet them when they were married. Basically, we're pros. What, what, what would the book be titled after this first month? Ooh, that's ooh. I'll get back to you at the end of this. Yeah, give me till the All end right. of the show. <laughs> the brainstorming session. Do you guys, whenever I think of newly married couples, I always think of when they do the couples dance at the beginning of the reception. And it's always like, you know, if you're five years or under, you're just toast. Like you don't even stay out there for more than 30 seconds. So you barely get to dance. <laughs> um, and then you have at the end, just the champs who are like in their, you know, late nineties and just killing it. On year the of marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Love, yeah. Absolute best. Absolute best. Uh, yeah. Alex, what what I'd love to hear some stories from from the week of of the married couple. Um, I think that would be funny. Just any any goofy or crazy things that happened to y'all this week that just I don't know is bizarre. This week, I'm thinking. Do you have anything? Robin lost her ID, oh, huh, yeah. and she was panicking around the house. She about <laughs> she she was at the point where she's gonna go digging through the trash, and then all of a sudden, we're, I was like, "Babe, let's just," or she was like this too. Let's just eat dinner. And then we'll calm down. We'll figure out. We'll retrace her steps. And so she was walking me back where she had her ID, where she had it. It was like, all right, we went on this walk. It was there. We stopped at the store. It was there. And then all of a sudden it just clicked. And the light bulb went off in her head. She goes, I'll be right back. And she runs to go get her phone. And she had stuffed it like between the phone and her phone case. And so she opens it up. She goes, Oh, I'm so relieved right now. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. The, the question was St. Anthony of Padua invoked or not? That's what we need to know. We he, weren't quite there yet. He was definitely invoked <laughs> in my head. Not really. That's fair. <laughs> Bob jumped right there. Yeah, yeah. Bob was ready. That's yeah. funny. Also, a little preface. I don't think we said this. So Bob and Robin aren't just a married couple or friends. So Bob and Robin are two of our closest friends uh, from all of college. Yes, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, so they all, they both went to Missouri State with, with Alex and I. Um, and we really just, yeah, I mean, in a sense, as they say, we grew up together. Uh, and by grew up, I mean those, those college yeah. days, those fateful days that are now complete Very for all of us. Very much matured a lot. And... 
Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I think it'd be fun uh, to start at least like to tell the story, uh, Bob and Robin, of, of how you guys met. That would be really just set set the scene well for those who might not know you as well, um, you know, and for those who are, are seeking the great advice of one month of marriage. Well, basically, the the short of it is, I just had great great good looks and I'm super funny and I'm attractive and I love long walks on the beach and then I saw Robin on campus one day and it was just game over we just had a conversation and that was basically it right babe I wish you guys could see my face right now because that is about the farthest thing from the truth oh okay so in reality what happened was wait that wasn't reality no Oh, damn. Um, <laughs> old Bob here and all of his humor and glory had never had a girlfriend before. Ooh, ouch. So some, some good but context hey, for all of you guys who are like... I bet a thousand, <laughs> so really I won the game. I have never dated before. <laughs> and, and concerned about that, uh, we met in a freshman psychology class and we walked in. The professor said, you have five minutes to pick your group. They're your group for the rest of the semester, so choose wisely. Go. And I just happened to be standing next to Bob when the five minutes was over. And so I looked at him and said, well, you're my partner now. Lo, he really was my partner now. <laughs> the rest is kind of... She had no idea how true that was. <laughs> I had no clue. They actually changed their wedding vows. And all they said was, well, you're my partner now. And that was, that was it. That was it. <laughs> Honestly. Short, sweet, to the point. Yeah, no, oh, we... We're friends for a couple months and then started dating. And honestly, I just took him up for the free dinner. He was cute and was funny, but I wasn't really trying to date him. I also at the moment. did enjoy long walks on the beach. I, I do enjoy those. Those are pretty fun. <laughs> so, we except for the to, fact that. Yeah, and it was good. And then we dated for two and a half years, engaged for a year, married for a month. That's right. Here we are. That's huge. What, nice. What, what was, what was maybe huge. the like. What was the most, I guess, like telling sign as you guys were discerning uh, uh, from the other person that you were like, yeah, this is uh, this is a person that I think the Lord would ask me to marry. Um, or or I, I know that obviously, right, being married myself <laughs> for a few months, I guess what we just passed four months, two days ago. Um, but but obviously with that whole deal, right, like there's all kinds of things that you're discerning, all kinds of things that kind of come to mind as you're trying to make, you know, the biggest decision you made in your life to that point outside the decision to to follow the Lord Jesus Christ um, that's being made every day. Um, so, yeah, what what was like that biggest factor amidst all of those those things that you were considering that really made you like jump over that edge? I see a hand right now. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Robin, you want to go first? I think I think for me, so you're asking like what was the was there like a turning point? Is that basically the question? Yeah, yeah. If you will. Uh, I think for me, it was just, there was never really like one huge moment, but it was just more, as time grew on, she was very persistent and she was very open to having those like big conversations of, I we've been dating for a year, like marriage is on the table for me. I mean, I know like it's in the back of your mind, but we've been dating for a year now, we're juniors in college, we fast forward another year and a half, we're gonna be seniors and like starting our lives together, I kind of need to start taking seriously, are you in or are you out? And... From that, I remember that we had one conversation. It was a date. We actually swim, or went to a swimming pool or something like that. But we were sitting relaxing in the sun, and she asked me that. She's like, are you seriously um, pursuing marriage? Like, are you dating me with marriage as the end goal? And so uh, at the time, I was, but it wasn't as seriously as it should have been. And so from that point, um, it was just 
constant um, discernment, prayer, talking to other people, talking to trusted friends, parents, um, even talked to a priest uh, a couple times, just to make sure that this was the right thing for me. And as time went on, God just kept revealing in different ways that this was the woman I was supposed to marry and that this is what my vocation was and I couldn't be happier. Yeah, I, I think for me, it was vaguely similar it was definitely more on the forefront of my mind because I come from a family of planners and we don't like to waste our time. <laughs> so there's just a point where I was like, okay, I've spent a good chunk of my life with you, you know, one twentieth of my life. And uh, I was like, Pretty you, good time. <laughs> you know, at some point we have to, we have to make a decision or else I'm wasting your time and you're wasting mine, which sounds really harsh. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you date somebody with no intention of marriage, then you should probably move on. But um, I went and talked to, I think Morgan Partlow and was talking to her about this. And she was like, well, the purpose of marriage is to sanctify you and to bring you both closer to God and to Jesus and to lead you to heaven ultimately. So does he do that for you? And I changed a lot in the time that Robert and I dated, but definitely in all ways that kind of perfected my person and made me more Christ-like because of the challenges and the graces that he provided me. And so there is a period where I just kind of realized, like, we cannot... You you hit a point where you are not growing anymore when you're just dating. You have to move to the next level because you can only do so much growth in dating. You can only do so much growth in marriage. Or in uh, engagement, rather. And then you get to marriage, and it's a continual period of growth. Um the opportunities are limitless for that. So we were, we were hitting that point where I knew we were hitting our cap on what we could do growth-wise as far as it was going dating. So that's when I asked him the question. And then from there, it was just a really intentional discernment of, are we going to get married? And then it was time for engagement. So Then I had to ask the question. <laughs> what, what did you say? I said, and then I had to ask the question. And thank God she said yes. <laughs> <laughs> No, that, that's awesome. Uh, I think, yeah, some of the things you, you both were touching on there is there was this like, <clears throat> there, there transitions this point where it goes from like, oh, you know, this is something that, you know, God willing, you know, maybe could work out to like, all right, I can, you start like sizing up where you're like, maybe, you know, like there's that, there's that little transition point where it goes from, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I can see it to like, okay, I actually really see it. Oh, frick. And it kind of gets like scary. I, that's, I think that's when it gets scary uh, in terms of like the seriousness of it weighs in. And maybe that was at the moment of that question for you, Bob. Uh, but it's that, it's that moment where it's like, well, this went from something that I was definitely open to to something I need to start intentionally looking into more seriously, um, which would come with a little bit of a, a little bit of the chills at first, for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 Alex, I, I'm curious. I know that yeah. you're not the guest. You're the, you're the host. Uh, this podcast but <laughs> what what did that look like for you and I, and obviously so we speak in a, in a different place because your discernment won't be complete yeah. until you're ordained um, but how what did that i don't think we've ever really yeah. talked about that on the podcast like what your discernment of, of seminary looked like i haven't really yeah i mean um i, I mean this could be like a whole different episode actually but That's i fair. guess i'll hit on like some of the quicker stuff um yeah, when I first started to feel this tug, um, I thought I had already kind of given it my fair chance. Um, so I wasn't super exactly, um, 
I mean, I, th- I think I wasn't super willing at first, uh, but there was just like this pivotal point in the summer where I had a really strong prayer experience. This was two summers ago now, in the summer of 2018. Um, and in prayer, I just like, I very, very rarely have this happen where I just like knew what words God was speaking to me in that moment. And I can't remember exactly what the words were now, although I really should. Um, But they were along the lines of, you need to give me a chance. Like you need to be like fully submitting your will to mine. And as soon as he, like, as soon as I kind of heard those words, I knew exactly what he was talking about, that I was not really, um, in my head, willing to go if God called me to the priesthood, um, because I didn't want to, you know? And so just over time, I started to realize that, um, yeah, not only not only did I need to give my heart to God to like in that way to be able to ever fully give it to him, I had to like, I had to give him it to him in that sense where I need to, to open myself up to the possibility of being sent to seminary. Um, and as I prayed on it more and more, I just felt more and more at peace at being sent to the seminary. And then I went on a visit and it was just so weird. Like it felt like I was like at home. It felt like I was at a place where, you know, I had been, I, I, I had only been on a tour like once at this point, like ever for one afternoon, like six years prior when I was in high school and had absolutely no, that, like that was the first time I ever even learned what a seminary was when I went on that tour. It's like, there's no seminary. And that was the only time away. I had ever been there. What's that, Trevor? <laughs> I said, that was at the time when you were like, "There's, I've never seen a seminary in like Rocket League or Skyrim, you know, that they don't exist. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, yeah, I just felt more and more at home the more I was there. And I was like, I feel a lot of peace with this. So I followed the peace. That's the short of it. <laughs> you got to love that, that peace piece. Um, that's fun. No, I was just curious. I, I know that obviously, like I said, we, we could do a whole episode on that, but I was just wanting to, to briefly tie in all these discernment thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex, I've asked all the questions so far. I want to give you a chance to ask questions of our, our gracious guests. Yeah. Um, yes. At least Robin. Will do. Um, yeah. So we talked a little bit about how you guys met and everything. Um, my first question, I guess, would be obviously as some viewers I'm sure have put together by now. Uh, you guys have were uh, married during a pandemic, during while a global pandemic was going on. Uh, I guess my first question would be, like, how was that? Like, how unique was that? Was there any, like, major learning experiences you think that you were able to go through um, that you wouldn't have been able to go through had it not been for that going on at the time? Yes. Yes and yes. Um, Sort of it was, it was in many ways the worst experience of my entire life that I would not wish on my Mm -hmm. worst enemy. And at the same time, it was the most grace-filled and perfect thing ever because Mm -hmm. we grew and learned so much from it that I think would have taken us years otherwise to encounter Um. similar problems or to have learned the things that we were able to learn because of that. 
Uh, so yeah, it was very trying because we went through three months of once things started or two months rather of not knowing anything. And in April and in March, everything was just canceled. No questions asked. But since we were towards the end of May, we had two and a half months basically of people telling us, you can still have your wedding. You can still have your wedding with 220 people. Nothing's going to change. It's fine. And then we had all of the things that you look forward to. So you labor for so long planning a big wedding, especially Catholic wedding. And then you're supposed to have all these fun things like showers and stuff like that. And all of those were canceled. So we had all this labor and maybe a wedding. We were going to get married regardless, but for um, the entire month of May, we were told we could only have our parents there. So it was just really hard to go and let go of all of these things that you had been anticipating for a year um, and all of the things that you had very intentionally planned with your loved one to celebrate your marriage. So that was just very tough um, and very depressing and really hard. And it was also just something that people can't understand unless you experience it in some way yourself. So that was very trying. Um. But some of the many graces were we got to see the love of our friends and family in other ways. We had people show up for us in entirely unexpected ways. And we had the grace of being able to actually have our full wedding party there and our parents there. Mm -hmm. And our reception got postponed, but our friends pulled off this immaculate and beautiful reception for us where the bishop showed up and everything. So there were so many graces. And just the experience of learning how to trust entirely uh, this, uh, the biggest day of your lives, arguably, to the Lord and just trust yeah. that it will work was really good for us. And to trust the other person and to go through it, I don't think we had one fight or one big hiccup or emotional moment where we were angered uh, with the other because we just found rest in each other and led each other to the Lord through that. So it was a, it was a uh, huge growing experience, but it was definitely very trying. I don't know. Was that what you yeah. would say as well? No, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Bob's got nothing to say, baby. That's it. <laughs> Bob's got nothing. <laughs> she pretty well hit it. I think the only thing I would add is just, for me, it was tough because I wasn't as invested in, I, I knew there was a reception, but like I hadn't done any of the the planning for, for RSVPs, for sending out invitations, for all these things. I didn't have that same emotional attachment to the reception, um, but it killed me to see how upset Robin got uh, more than I think losing the reception was just like to see how she was excited for it. And it was for good reasons, right? We're trying to bring family together that doesn't see each other very often. We're trying to celebrate something that's very, very beautiful and something that's going to last us the entire life and something that's going to be very life-giving. So it wasn't bad reasons. We were trying, trying to throw a reception to celebrate life, to celebrate the Lord and to do all these different things. But I, again, didn't have that emotional connection to it until Robin started really getting hurt. And there's moments when just a lot of tears were shed, a lot of emotions were had, a lot of um, tough thoughts and a lot of tough conversations where it's like, all right, we have to give all this up. Like, who gets to cut? Do our grandparents get to, like, which of our grandparents get to come? All these different things. But it just made me realize, like, how much I really, really do love her because like it pains me so much to see her go through that and see her cry and because of that like I I cried I cried a lot I cried for not only her but I began to get attached to 
um, well, not being, and invest, having your grandparents, not having your grandparents get married, get married not having parents or <laughs> all sorts of different things. And so it didn't take me, or it took me a little longer, but I was there on the same emotional roller coaster that it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. What, like, yeah. I, in retrospect now, when you look at it, like in the uniqueness of it, what things will you look back on and just be, yeah, I guess, right, right, because like the reality of, of our life here on earth is that, you know, and this is contrary to, I was actually just watching a, a documentary uh against kind of this idea of the American Gospels, the idea of like the prosperity, like health and wealth, you know, everything's going to go well for you kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's kind of crazy because, I mean, even today, I was, Kenzie and I were just talking, you know, maybe 30 minutes or I guess before we started recording about how many things like we, we had heard of a, a friend that had a loved one pass away. And we were just talking about how so many things that happen in this life don't go the way that we necessarily expect them. Right. Like we have this like, oh, percentages mm-hmm. go that you're going to have a wedding or percentages go that you're going to live to a certain, you know, all these things. Um, but but the Lord's goodness isn't compromised by that. In fact, it's it's heightened and I guess revealed in the uncertainty because we see his unchangingness and his eternal like goodness. Um, so that's a lo- the longest freaking introduction of all time to a question. But I guess in the middle of all that. Yeah. What were some <laughs> of the things that maybe like, I guess was revealed to you about the Lord or about his goodness amidst this kind of un- unique and otherwise like unpatterned elsewhere in history wedding? I think for me, it's two things stuck out to me the most. The first one was like, I live under this illusion of control. I'm a teacher, right? So I have like this illusion of control every day that if I go tell a student to do something that they're just like, going to automatically do it. But the wedding and now that I'm doing summer school, it's teaching me more and more of kids say no, or sometimes plans get changed, right? And just because I live most of my day, or if I turn on a light switch, it's going to turn on. I'm automatically reinforced 99% of my day. I turn on my car, it's going to turn on. Like, I I hope and I trust that it's going to do that. But that's not guaranteed. And it's never, never has been guaranteed. It's just a good gift of the Lord. And so to have something ripped away from you like that, is a good, I mean, it stinks. It's hard. It really hurts. But it's a very, very good reminder of all of the gifts of the Lord that, that every time I get to look at Robin, or every time I wake up in the morning, every time I get to see a beautiful sunset, that's not guaranteed the next day, but it's a beautiful gift. And so this illusion of control that I live in, it's challenged me to rethink that. And then mm-hmm. I'd say the second thing would be like the depth of love that our Lord has for us. And it's challenged me even very, very recently um, of how much we're called to love. And I think because of that, um, it's like we're, we don't get to choose who we love or what we love. The Lord presents us with a gift and he says, I love you. Now go do it to other people. So it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Um, race, religion, whatever it is, like my, my call and my challenge is to love. And so my vocation right now is to love Robin with the best of my ability and hopefully one day raise children and raise them in the Lord. But no matter what difficulties are presented to us, it doesn't matter. Our, our call is always the same, so to love. So it doesn't matter if we're living in a pandemic, my call is the same. It doesn't change. It doesn't matter if we're living in a, prosper- a time of prosperity, if I'm a millionaire, or if I have just $2 in my pocket and that's all I have to my name and I'm living on the streets. We all have the same call to love each other. <clears throat> and I found very, very recently too, like just how 
I fail to love every every moment of my day I fail in some way to love but it's all overcome by that grace and so it's not about that I failed to love today it's about okay Lord fill in the gaps where I can't help me to be better today the rest of my day and tomorrow and let's let's get after it let's keep loving how we're supposed to yeah it's mm. awesome yeah I think for me, it was the trust to go along with his control. Um, I had planned, you know, as Robert said, this big reception, had ideas for this wedding and all of this stuff. And I think the hardest thing for me was just to trust that when it all got altered, that things would work out and that God would give us the most beautiful and perfect day ever and the best celebration to that day, which ended up being enormously better than I could have ever planned or anticipated and so I know that was definitely a gift from God in a moment where he revealed I just need to trust him in everything I do and then another big thing for me that Robert kind of touched on but from a different angle is the depth of love that we have for others I think also just being able to recognize and receive it from others I know that's something I've always struggled with but we had a friend named Will Stepig I'm sure you guys have talked about him on the show before but like definitely a really good friend of mine, but by no means needed to do what he did. He texted me the week of the wedding and said, hey, I have two extra bedrooms. I'm sure people are coming to the wedding. I know I can't come, but my rooms are open to anybody you need to house. Stuff like that. Just so many people uh, showing up day of. Justin Wampler and Lauren Brecka, um, Trevor's little sister and 2B brother-in-law showed up um, without me asking to help decorate and all of these things, like people just come through and love you deeply if you'll let them. And so just receive that love because as much as I can love Robert, I have to receive the love from him too. And if I can't learn how to do that, well, I'm not going to be able to go and receive love from other people. Yeah. So that was definitely my big yeah. So awesome. Yeah. That's a really good point. I, when, yeah. There you go, Axe. Oh, you go ahead, Trevor. No, I was, I was just going to say, while you guys are both talking, it made me think of, um, so I was listening to another podcast um, well, this past week when I was on the road called Godsplaining. It's by the, the Dominicans, um, or I guess it's the house of the Eastern province, I think. It's in D.C. Um, and so mm-hmm. particularly I was listening to uh, a priest I, I love hearing from and I've met a couple times, Father Gregory Pine. Um, I wrote it down. I'm going to pull it up because it's just that good. Um because it, whenever you were talking, it just really resonated with what he's talking about. So he's talking about the virtue of prudence. They had an episode on prudence and he's talking about like, what does it mean to be a saint uh, in, in light of prudence and how prudence is not like, we normally think of prudence as like, ah, I think about all these things and I, I decide which one's good. Um, and he's like, that's true, but that's not the full, like the full like uh, display of virtue is that the prudent person is able not just to discern what is good, but to act and will towards it. Right. So that they figure out, um, but he talks about how oftentimes Christians have this idea and, and Catholics have this idea of like, oh, Lord, like, I just want to do your will. Like, I just reveal your will to me. And there's just kind of like this uh, passiveness. But how he talks about, and, and this is the quote I wrote down. He's, t- he's talking about certainty and he says, you're never going to be perfectly certain. A saint isn't the one who's perfectly certain, but a saint is the one who says, this seems right. I will do it. Please, God, perfect in it what is lacking. Um and, and Bob, whenever you said that earlier, you were talking about, you know, how, yeah, every day there's like this, this struggle to love and you, you never fill it out, fulfill it perfectly, right? You always feel like you're just one inch shy of the goal. Or some days for me, I feel like I'm, you know, six football fields shy of the goal. 
Um, <laughs> but, but there's that idea. It's like, like you said, it's like trusting in God to perfect in it what's lacking. Uh, I think that's such a thing. And I saw that in both of you when you're talking about this trust that, that realizes that God will bring about goodness even in those things that on a, on a human level, like all the devastation and not experience that, it wasn't there. So that's so cool to see. Um, hopefully that was not in left field there. But that's just oh, what no. I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a, a question I had today. So uh, when I was thinking about marriage, so right, like like you guys pointed this out, and I feel the exact same way. I, I have no expertise right, to share on marriage. I'm, I'm very much a novice, right? I mean, four months into college, we aren't asking necessarily freshmen to tell us about college, <laughs> right? Uh, but the, the cool, the unique thing is, obviously, this is a time in y'all's relationship that's beautiful because you'll never get this time back, one. I mean, that's what you just talked about. But two, that this time is particularly, like, you, you're going through so much intense and, and emotional and beautiful change all at the same time. Um, and so what I was thinking about today, so again, with the long preface and the question, but I was thinking about how whenever you try to integrate something new into your life, let's say it's like working out. So it's a small little habit. It takes time to develop. Um, but when we speak of marriage, we're speaking of that complete integration that becomes a sign and reality that brings about and witnesses to God's divine love for humanity, right? This like deep integration, right? That's the same integration that we hear in Genesis chapter two where it says that a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two should become one flesh, right? This isn't just something you're kind of like throwing in happenstance into the a part of your life. It's a complete like changing of the person. So with that being said, an integration of that depth, right? It uh, in, a, in a metaphysical way, it took place in your wedding day, right? With, with, you know, the exchanging of vows and the consummation, all that stuff. But it takes a lifetime to root into your hearts and minds and souls. So in your experience thus far, when you're thinking about this whole journey of integration, this beautiful and like incredibly deep integration, what are the parts you think that are going to come naturally and have so far in this fresh like start that you're already experiencing the graces of? And what are the parts that you foresee taking the most effort and, and time to, to take place? Um, so I know that's a, a deep question. You can answer one at a time, but that's some of the things I was thinking about. That's a big question. Um, I think for me is the biggest thing that I've learned through dating and engagement and then my one month of expertise in marriage (laughs) is that I think I know how to love Robert well. And then I wake up the next day and realize an area where I can definitely love him better. And I never think I'm perfect, but I always think that I'm a little bit better than I am. And I think it's honestly all encompassing. You know, I might be able to perfect guessing what he's about to say, or I might be able to perfect knowing the foods he likes and how to cook well for him. Cause that's something that he personally really enjoys and we bond over. And so I'd say we've kind of got that part nailed, which is awesome. But that's just one little area that I can love him in. And there are so many other areas each and every day that I learn that I can love him better and ways that I can perfect myself in areas that I had never thought would have mattered. Um, like making sure that I don't drink too much coffee so that I don't get a little stir crazy and cranky at the end of the night when the caffeine wears off. Like it sounds really silly, but that's where I can love him better because then I'm just a better version of myself. And I definitely don't think that's exactly what you're going for, but that's just like a small tangible, um, area that I can think of. But yeah, just basically learning how to always be open to learning 
to love him better. Yeah. I think I think for me, the thing that's going to come naturally is going to be to be roommates with each other. Yeah. Because I think it's it was easy. Think like it was really easy this first month um, getting in a similar like sleep pattern, all these different things. Um, because we longed for that for so long because we didn't live together before marriage. So we were like long. It, it was really weird the first time I didn't go home that night because I was like, whoa, shouldn't I be going back to my friend's house because I just brushed my teeth. I need to go back and go to bed. But it's like, whoa, I live here now. <laughs> so <laughs> like, but just, just being roommates and living life together and getting a similar routine, going to work each day and then coming back and telling her about my day like that, that is natural and that feels good. I think the hard part for me is going to be remembering that we're not that we're more than roommates um that we're man and wife and mm-hmm. i think i say that because uh sometimes it feels comfortable and easy it, yeah it, feel, it feels challenge. comfortable and easy and mm-hmm. so i went home this past weekend for my mom's birthday but it also happened to be my aunt and uncle's like 22nd wedding anniversary big deal to me because i'm i'm the new guy i'm the new guy on the block i'm a month married and i was like hey what are you guys doing this for your wedding anniversary You're like oh i haven't even seen my husband today like he's been running around with the kids and for some reason, that just that, that really, really pained me. And I was like, I, mm. I love my aunt and uncle. They're very, very good. They're happy married. They're, they're awesome. But I was just like, man, she, she didn't have plans for her husband on their, on their anniversary. And I just really, really hope that like, I never lose sight of the, the gravity of marriage. And they're, and they're a great married couple. They're going to do something later that week. But it was just, it just kind of, reminded me that this this love I have for her I don't want this like flame to die out and yes it's going to look different yes there's going to be seasons of life where we're not going to be so passionately in love um but I hope that when I'm my grandparents age 50 years from now 55 years from now when they're celebrating these huge milestones that I'm just as in love with Robin as I am right now and that I don't take this life that we have for granted because just because we're the new guys just because we're the freshmen just because we're the the new guys on the block, I think that's, that adds something to marriage. I think that there's a lot to be learned as, from newlyweds of like what it means to be madly in love with someone, what it means to, to want to do good things for your spouse because you forget about it after you've been married for 22 years. It's no fault of your own. I mean, you've been yeah. living for someone for that long in a relationship, but it's nice to be refreshed by, by newlyweds. And I think as newlyweds, like it's our, kind of our call to – to call marriages higher, to be a witness and example of the love we have for each other and to call them higher. I, I, I'll admit, I asked my aunt, I challenged my aunt and uncle, or my aunt, I was like, like, uh, to go have a conversation with her husband later at night. I was like, hey, why don't you, or I was like, it was very nice her, but I was just like, hey, um, my challenge with you is to go have a nice conversation with your husband and tell him one thing you love about him that you haven't told him about. And she's like, wow, mm-hmm. I'm going to do that. And it challenged me, too, because I wanted to do that with Robin later that night, too. So I um, called her. I think I texted her, too, and just told her something I loved about her. Just random. But it's just really yeah. cool to see that. Awesome. Because I learned a lot from them about what it means to be in a committed relationship. But they also can learn from us, too. So mm-hmm. um, that was a really long answer. Uh, I like, that. No. Yeah. I really liked that answer because something I've been thinking a lot about lately um, in regards to my own um, vocation, God willing, is just like that fear of like, I am very afraid of becoming a lackluster priest one day. Um, You know, like the kind of priest and it's, it's from this, you know, on this side of being a seminarian, 
um, you kind of see examples more often of it, of just the priests that, like, you can tell they're not living for their ministry. Uh, they're checking in and out, and they're living for their escape, whether that be the priest who, you know, golfs all day on his day off, who is just waiting to the end of the day so he can watch YouTube videos all night, or the priest that's just constantly on vacation, which that sounds like a dig at because my priest is on vacation right now. Actually, the priest that I'm living with right now is a great priest. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but there, there are like, because like this, the, at the seminary, they tell us, um, just give us like examples. Sometimes they're like, I know priests that like, you know, they're just living for their next vacation, you know, which vacation, great thing. <laughs> like priests should take it. They get worked to death like all year, you know, they deserve it. But when, when that's just all you're living for, you're not really living for the vocation. And I'm afraid of that. I don't want to be a lackluster priest. I want to be driven completely for zeal, you know, zeal that's based out of love, you know, love for God and love for his people. And I, I like, I don't want to like live in a place of like that, just like that comfort, like you said. And so I liked what you said where it's like um, your aunt, after you talked with your aunt about it, then like you went home and you like had a conversation with Robin, you know? Um, there's these small ways where like those seeds are starting to get sown. Like for me, I this was pretty recent, like a, like a week ago, I just realized how much time I was spending on YouTube ever since I've been here at the seminary. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to move YouTube to a different folder on my phone um, so that I have to think about it every time I open the app and have to contemplate, is this really worth opening right now? Um, and like, hopefully by like cutting out that YouTube, like cutting out that little escape and replacing it with something productive, like I'm trying to learn how to cook and I'm trying to learn Spanish and things like that, which like, it's not like I need to constantly be productive, but I also do need to just not be trying to escape from the world around me, you know, because I don't know, I'm starting to get to rant territory, but like <laughs> stuff like YouTube and stuff like video games, you know, like they, we think we're like telling ourselves, like, I just got to recuperate, like I got to get some rest, I got to get some leisure, you know, but these things aren't leisurely. Like after after I'm done watching a YouTube video, I feel more tired, <laughs> you know, I'm just like... And so, um, I don't know, like that's, that's just something I'm really passionate about lately is just like those little ways in our vocations where the seeds are being sown for like to live our vocation out fully down the line once we get into that part of our lives where it's so easy to slip back into comfort. Like we don't want to slip back into comfort. We want to love the people that we have taken vows to love to the fullest extent at which we can love them, you know. Uh, no, yeah, yeah I, I agree. And they, uh, the reason I was saying that too is I was so I'm teaching third grade right now, and these third grade mm -hmm. they're going into second and third grade, so they're seven eight years old. And I realized, even in like six short days with them, like how far I had, like fallen out mm -hmm. of love with learning because they're so curious. Like everything they do is very yeah. curious, 
and they ask tons of questions. They oh, and they want to show you and show off about their smallest things of their life, like whether they saw a really yeah. cool butterfly last night. They just want to show it and be like you to be proud of them. And so, because of their witness, I was able to just see like how I always want to be renewed and never lose that zeal for for my vocation of driving, but also for my zeal for my career or whatever I'm doing. And if I'm if I'm yeah. not having that zeal, then I need to move on. We are called love like a child. True. Gosh, dang it. Yeah, true. <laughs> the whole time, that's what I've been thinking about. Because ever since you said that, Bob, like a while ago, <laughs> I've just had that in my head the whole time. When Robin said that, I was like, let's go. Trevor's been waiting. Yeah. But no, it's, it's beautiful, too, because it's like, because you need both, right? You need those people that have been married for 22 years and are in the thick of it, and they, they're, they're tired. But it's also nice to be refreshed by young newlyweds, and the young newlyweds also need to be re- reminded in like a good oh, yeah. model of what it takes. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's the glory yeah, yeah. of the body of Christ, right? The idea that like all of these people, the people in different places and different times and different settings, have the ability to to uh, reorient one another again, you know, towards God. And I think like yeah, what what you're saying is so true because when you look at the older couple, and you've seen this, we've all seen this so many times where we're talking to someone, they're like, oh yeah, I remember you know back when I used to do that or when I was that excited. I even get that way when sometimes I meet you know working with focus mm-hmm. in a college ministry, right? I meet guys who are just like having their conversions, like their, their first, you know, kind of initial turning or if not first, at least one of the most prominent ones. And, and I go through that phase. And on the one hand, I have the response to myself is like, man, I remember what that was like, you know, seven, eight years ago. But then there's the other part of me. It's like, what the heck, dude, you should get fired up by that. You should get, and a lot of times it does, you know, it yeah. fires me up because it, it reminds me of, of you know when Jesus says to be like these little children, there's it's there's many ways that that you know that those that have analyzed that verse and those verses could have taken it, but I think the one that really mm-hmm. should linger most with us is is like you said, children are always excited and they're always curious and there's this passion yes. and zeal that that the 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 worries and concerns of life you know it's like the a seed that's spread among you know it says the rocky soil, right? It gets choked out by the or I guess it's the thorn. Sorry. Um, but it's, you know, it gets choked out by the anxieties and worries of life. And I think Bob and Robin, you know, the reason I, I, I love that answer so much, Bob and both Robin, is to see, yeah, that, that you're in this place right now that you give a, just this vibrant testimony to the, 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 the craziness and the fun and just the beauty of like a love that is on fire that ignites like a desire to, to be more uh, made whole, you know, that mm-hmm. ignites that desire for, for those of us that have been jaded or, or hurt or wounded to return to this initial re- encounter of joy. Thank yeah. you. Man. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And kind of circling back to what, uh, Robin said to you about trust. This was a little while ago, but like just that sense of two where it's like, you know, like it can be so it's like the, there's this little sense of like, like, fear can creep in where it's like okay like this is a lot like i'm like intimidated a little bit but it's like almost that trust of like even though this is like tough and i don't know what's gonna happen like and i don't know how hard you know this married life or this religious life is gonna be you know i think we're called to act as a child in that sense of not just excitement but also trust like trusting that it's all going to work out that God will give us sufficient grace to live lives of holiness and live lives to become saints, you know? Yeah. I love that. 
Um, yeah, that's that was the big question I had prepped. I said I had 16 questions. I had two, um, and Alex took my first one. So, uh, <laughs> Alex, what thoughts or questions <laughs> do you have? Do it. Oh, um, yeah, I guess. So, what? This is a bit of a shift. Um, well, I have two questions there, a bit of shift. Oh. I'll do the less shifty one. <laughs> that Not shifty, uh, that's, the that's, less of a shift one. That's dose. Alex has been taking, you know, he's learning more about Spanish, so I just wanted to reinforce there. Dose. Um, so, <laughs> first, I guess, obviously you guys had to do marriage prep in the church to do marriage. I don't know how it looked in Springfield, uh, but I was curious, like, could you guys give us like a well, obviously Trevor is well aware. Could you give me like a little bit of an insight into like your favorite parts and your least favorite parts of marriage prep? Yeah, I think my. Oh, I'm trying to think. I'll do the. I'd say my least favorite parts were. Um, I'm trying to think of how to word this. There is just points where it just felt like you were checking off a box and I could see like if you weren't plugged in the church already, if you just didn't really care, you just kind of had to show up and do it and then you're done. Um, and it just felt like one more thing that the church was making you do before you get married. So I thought that was, was pretty lame. Um, that feeling that yeah you got, cause you weren't really explained like, Oh, you just have to do marriage prep. It wasn't like you're doing marriage prep because X, Y, Z we're doing marriage prep because like, numbers show that you will be less likely for divorce all these things but i think another one of my but to, that was really my only least favorite part my my favorite parts though were the times that rob and i got to enter into conversation with each other so we did this focus questionnaire where we just had really really long conversations not at the questionnaire or like while we were discussing it in the counseling but afterwards it sparked a lot of different conversations and topics that we we probably wouldn't have had before like without it um and it just we just got a chance to grow and to get really deep with that so that was probably my favorite part yeah we got to have a lot of really good conversations that i think prepared us for a great many things i think my favorite was um learning more about theology of the body through we learned a little bit about it through nfp but then also just robert had finished reading the, the heavy oh who it was, was it christopher book. west version of it is that the right yeah yeah and so I was like, you know, I'm not, I'm going to be honest, me newly converted. That's a thick book. And it's that's bad. just a lie. <laughs> I, said, I, I, I said, I think we're setting me up for disaster here. So he bought me the for beginners version and said, will you read this while I'm reading mine? So we read it together and it just explained how I can learn to love Robert and others and how we're called to love, not just bodily, but emotionally and entirely through our every ounce of our being and it just really shifted honestly how i i view love and appreciation for robert mm-hmm. um in everything that i do and it, it was just honestly a game changer so i think that, that was my favorite and we talked about that in our marriage prep classes in nfp classes and then outside of that um and i i honestly disagree with robert on what my least favorite part was we did it while we were both seniors in college, so we were both pretty busy, and then there were some nights where it just felt like, oh, we're driving to this marriage prep after spending eight hours at school, and we're very exhausted, so. Um, gotcha. 
but very good thing. Glad that we did it mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Awesome. Follow-up question. What conversation did you guys have that you think that every couple should have before they get married? I actually, theology, okay. that's a good key. Yeah. Theology of the body. But then this one, I don't think we had until at, uh, like a week before we got married because Morgan Parlow, one of our friends from Missouri State, was starting her marriage prep with a priest at the university she's getting married at. And he uh-huh. asked her and her to be husband. What is the worst thing? His name is Ryan. So the priest asked Morgan, what is the worst thing that Ryan could do? And how are you going to get through that in marriage? So she was Ooh. pondered it for a while and they had a really good conversation about it. And so I brought that to Robert and we <clears throat> had a conversation. What is the worst thing that you could do? And how will we get through it? Because divorce is not an option not because the church says it's not an option although that is important but because we simply love each other so deeply and want to remember that even in the worst of times that we made this Um, vow forever and it's indissolvable um, by man so i think that was a really good conversation for us to just be able to put into perspective that like there will be times when this is hard and there will be times when either of us screw up hugely and how are we going to get through mm -hmm. that so that was really good and I'd say for me, wow. the that was a really good conversation. And then just like she was saying earlier, Theology of the Body, basically JP2 is way ahead of his time. And that <laughs> book, the learning about those concepts changed the way I viewed myself, not only bodily, but spiritually, emotionally, everything that is in mm-hmm. my being, spirit, everything. Um, it reformed me of like who I am. I'm not Robert or Bob, I'm, I'm a son. Like that's my first and foremost title. And if I don't understand that I'm a son and Robin's a daughter and that's the only two options, that's the only two things that you can be as a son or mm-hmm. daughter and going like starting with the basics and relearning that you're a child um, and that forms your whole humanity, that that was that was big. So I, I definitely think every couple should read Theology of the Body, at least for, for, be, for beginners. And it's something you don't ever master. You just kind of go through life formed by it. Growing so, in it, yeah. Growing in it. <clears throat> So well, I have a funny story to tell about Bob um, having to do with this topic. Um, so I got married, you know, in February. So three months before, almost three months in a day before Robin and Bob did. <laughs> Kenzie and I got married. And uh, what? Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, and what I really distinctly remember uh, was at my bachelor party that Bob did a great job organizing, you know, Oklahoma City, which is the bachelor party capital of the world. Um, and so, you know, we go there and we're, we're hanging out and, uh, late into the night, the second night, uh, it's like maybe 1am and all of a sudden, you know, as, as Bob is learning about all these things, he's going through marriage prep. He just gets fired up about talking about NFP with what, with one of my Protestant buddies who was there. Um, <laughs> and I, I went to bed at like two thirty or three, I think, because I was just gassed. But these suckers were still going at my bachelor party. Like, this is, it's not like they're like, you know, it's like they went to a Christopher West, you know, like talk. Like Bob's just fired up and he's going off about NFP, but really theology of the body through it. Um, and I, I think at that That's time, awesome. simultaneously, you know, after we had just like gone to a Thunder game, we had been at the bar and then we, you know, we went back, we were playing games and we're eating. And, and next thing you know, it's just, I think Bob and them went to bed at like 4.30 or something ridiculous like that after I went to bed mm-hmm. before them because I couldn't take the heat anymore. I was just too tired. <laughs> so when Bob talks mm-hmm. about the odds of the body, know that, that that dude actually does get fired up about it. Good stuff, dude. 
very fire yeah i was gonna say too jb2 because you said he's like ahead of his time not only is he is ahead of his time but he is just like the perfect um what's the word culmination of just like philosophy like i mean Thomism obviously like plays a very strong part in his philosophy um because honestly most of the time whenever there's an issue with modern philosophy that he's talking about he just goes back to Thomism to find an answer you know um but like the way that you know, reading Veritati's Splendor for one of my classes, it's just incredible to me the way that he not only is like, he very much follows along with other philosophers leading up to his time, like popular philosophers in like the non, non-religious non sphere, for example, Kant and Mills, um, you know, like he is like, he understands what they're saying and engages with it and just like, by the time you're done reading him, like if you go in with a philosophy mindset, you're just like, oh man, John Paul II is just like straight up a genius. Like this is crazy. Um, he's so smart. And like, it's like, it's kind of funny, like not funny. What's that? He puts it in a layman's terms, if you will. Oh yeah, he will too. Yeah. That's another thing is like, it's just like these lofty ideas and it's like, oh, this is pretty easy to understand. Um, yeah, and it's just like, I don't know, like, I don't know how you can't love JP2 unless you go in disagreeing with him and just, like, won't let yourself change your mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a goat. The goat. He's um, a goat. I, I have no other friends that spoke, like, 13 languages, so um, I wouldn't say he's my friend either, but I hope that <laughs> yeah. he, I ask for his intercession all the time, so I hope that he, he appreciates it. Um, Like, whenever you guys, because I know that you before you started dating or no before you converted robin to catholicism um you guys had been dating for a while like what specifically did it look like in terms of the way that bob um lived out his faith and made you desire to be catholic um without trying to without in a sense kind of pushing that on you and in a sense like Avenger dating where it was like flirt to convert yeah flirt to convert exactly yeah so i think i was very blessed uh in that experience because when we first started dating i was southern baptist my family raised me to believe that religion was very important to have a personal relationship with jesus christ so i definitely had that foundation there but it wasn't solid and i hadn't delved into it really deeply and robert told me in one of our first dates, he said, look, I'm Catholic. It's very important to me. Your being a different religion is not a problem for me. I just need you to be open and to never hold me down and hold my faith down. And I will never do that to you. Mm. And that was just very liberating for me because it allowed me to have my personal experience and not something that Robert forced on me. And he was always very uh, open to teaching me. And he did make the request that I start going to mass with him because that was important for who he would be dating to go to mass with him. So I started going and um, I appreciated it, but was just thoroughly confused for the first couple months. Um, So I didn't learn about it or appreciate it as deeply as I do now for a while. But I think the beautiful thing was how graciously Robert shared his faith without cramming it down my throat. 
he just existed to the best of his ability as a good Catholic man. And I just had the pleasure of being around him. But I think one of the big things for me was the people he surrounded himself with, Trevor, you, uh, many of our other friends. Uh, and I just got to see how well-rounded and healthy people were. Like, it was great. They had great hearts, very loving people and caring people, and just some of the best humans I have ever met in my entire life. And they inspired me to find out what they had and where their source of joy was and why even in the stress of college and even in various crazy things that were happening in all of their individual lives, how each of his friends were so amazing basically and loving and gracious and kind and grounded and rooted because that was not the experience I was having with the people I had surrounded myself in. They were great and all had perfect things about them, but they just didn't have that faith rooting them. And so things threw them off kelter a little more than his friends did Uh that are now my best friends. So I think that him just being a gracious son of God and allowing me to find that myself was really important Uh because it developed my personal faith life instead of my faith life as his girlfriend. So Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. That is really cool. Yeah, it's it's weird because like sometimes I forget that you weren't always Catholic <laughs> because it feels like I don't know. It feels like it like from the when you guys first started dating. Like sometimes I think back, I'm like, oh yeah, like she just only like came around like Lambda Chi stuff. Like she never came to CCM stuff until later. So that's awesome though. Especially talking to you now too. Like you seem to be just like so on fire too and like uh and like i feel like i don't know if well catechized is the word but like you just like no, know i mean trevor was my faith. sponsor so i know yeah <laughs> come on baby so yeah thank awesome. you alex thank you yeah any any wrapping up thoughts or questions like uh, questions either alex from you um myself or just mm-hmm. things that Robin and Bob you guys would like want to leave uh, our listeners with mm-hmm. just an idea of, of you know to, to convey to them the things that you've learned so far in marriage or something that they, that you would want everyone to be thinking about as they're discerning or, or contemplating marriage mm-hmm. uh, mine would definitely be uh, just do it just do it <laughs> yeah yeah I think similarly but a little more deep thoughts on it um would be just kind of wrapping back to that childlike innocence and pursual of christ you have to do that in marriage too because there are times where i wake up in the morning and i look over and i'm like why is there a man in my bed <laughs> i'm like what did i do like who uh all my friends who know me will appreciate this i kind of look like i'm 12 so my go-to leading up to the wedding was, this is probably super inappropriate, but to make child bride jokes, be like, well, you know, what? like, who let me get married? I look like I'm 12. <laughs> Anyways. Um, and stuff like that. And so just as like a way to say, basically, this is kind of daunting and I can't do it alone, but I felt called to this and we have discerned our vocation. We know this is true and good. And so just yeah daily waking up and having that like childlike perseverance and pursual of growing our love and being a better couple and things like that so 
Robert's giving me a very funny look right now. Anyways, that that definitely is like my parting thought is to just always go at it with a childlike perspective of life and just always give it your all and your best. We love it. We love it. Um, yeah. No. As on, they on make. Real... What? What's that? Oh, I was going to oh. say, as they like roll their eyes at each other. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I remember as a kid when I used to roll my eyes. Uh, then I then I turned ten. But no, I'm just kidding. I rolled my eyes way too much. Um, but uh, no, I I think yeah. As I'm as I'm listening and and I hope to to go back and listen to this. I don't think that's narcissistic, um, especially since we had guests this time. But uh, but I think that yeah, it's inspiring to me. You know, to, to to kind of like close on my part. Whenever I got I got to see Bob, I guess a little bit less than a week ago now. Um, I was driving back from visiting some mission partners and um, stopped by and said, hey to Bob and because I was in Kansas City area. And uh, as I was there, you know, I was, Bob was just telling me a little bit about how his first month of marriage had been and, uh, you know, the experiences they've been through and all, all everything that's been going on in his heart and his mind. And it honestly was super touching to me, you know, as I was like, you know, a, a couple of days away from making it to four months where I was like, man, it's only been four months. And I've already feel like, and sometimes I kind of forget the specialness and the grace and the goodness of this, uh, you know, that, that the Lord blessed me with, with the beautiful wife that of which I could have never deserved or earned. And if you asked, you know, we just quoted mm-hmm. Will Stepig earlier, uh, Will Stepig stood up at my <laughs> rehearsal dinner and told everyone that she was way out of my league. And that's the first thing he told me when he met her. Um, and, and it's true. But anyway, <laughs> I think, yeah, to look back and, and to and to be inspired, I was inspired by hearing y'all's uh, passion and, and fire for, for loving one another and displaying yeah. Christ to your marriage. So thank you for your testimony and your witness. I'm, I'm thankful to call you guys. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Similar note. Yeah. Bob and Robin, just two wonderful people. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, guys. Yeah. It was really great to talk to you guys. Um, it was great to have you guys as our first guest. No, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this has been awesome. Where can we buy the book? What? The book that you where guys are. Where can we buy the no, book? I'm just kidding. I just feel like normally when podcasters have guests, it's always like, yeah, where can we yeah, check out yeah. your new, like, you know, what I'm saying? like recent recent authors and it's like links yeah. on Amazon and uh, Barnes and Noble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh no! So we'll send a, a link to uh, Robin and Bob's Facebook pages. <laughs> That'd be so funny. <laughs> That's our go follow. Go go be friends. Um, awesome, nice. We'd love to have Bob and Robin well, close us in a little prayer. Yes, please do. All right. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord, thank you for this time that we've had together. We ask that you continue to bless. The boys from layman's terms and all those that are pursuing marriage or their vocations, Lord, we ask that you grant us an increase in the vocations to holy marriages, priesthood, and religious life, and single life. We ask that you make your glory known through all your servants throughout the world, and especially through the most uh, holy sacrifice of the Mass. We ask this through glory to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit. All right, guys. Uh, this has been Layman's Terms. Go ahead and send us any reviews you have. Send us feedback. Uh, send us emails. Give us topic ideas. 
But yeah, thanks for joining us. Trevor, you got anything else to say? Hey, uh, we'll be seeing you. Hey, uh, yeah, we'll be we'll seeing, seeing you. And cue music.